It's liquid gold where we do shots. Shots. All right, it's shots. It's liquid gold. It's St. Patrick's Day and a topic that we have always wanted to cover, but we've just had too much to cover through the years. And we're finally there on St. Patty's Day. We're going to talk about Guinness today. And Guinness being um, one of those beers that Kenneth and I have enjoyed after shifts before shifts, during shifts, uh, throughout the years. And I've got a very special guest on the line, Mr. Brandon Bramhall of Attaboy and Lakeside Lounge. Brandon, a legend in bartending. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well, man. Thanks. Thanks so much for talking to us tonight. I had to bring someone in who knows uh, the ways, the mysterious ways of the Guinness pour. Now, the best Guinness that I've had in town was at Lakeside Lounge. I know you guys take your Guinness seriously there, so I want to talk to you about that for a second. But also, the story of why, um, when I first found out how pouring Guinness is its own thing, the Irish-American actor Colin Farrell came into the bar, restaurant, grill place I was working in Denver. This was 2009, I believe, and ordered a Guinness and was asking how the Guinness was and like do you pour a good Guinness do you do you it's it's the Guinness good here like wondering about that and then said uh, I shouldn't get it back in less than seven minutes and that was when I kind of like oh wow yeah this really this really is a thing and um so what is it about pouring Guinness that you can tell me what's what's uh what are you going for when you're pouring a Guinness you know the way I was kind of taught about it is that you know you're you're doing it and obviously the two steps and those two steps are pretty important on how you're going about it but the the end goal is to create a beer with you know obviously it's got carbonation but you're trying to on the pour not disturb it i guess you'd say i guess Mm -hmm. the first wave and that's why you let it settle you're trying to get everything to get in the glass and then obviously let it kind of take a breather and then you top up but even in the pouring process like when i got taught the proper way it was like, you know, you're going to keep the nozzle as close to the glass as possible. And then when the level starts rising, you're going to keep it right above it or slightly uh, drop down into it. That way you're not creating a ton of aeration from the liquid falling out of the tap into the glass. Yeah, it's like this uh, 45 degree angle that you're kind of supposed to go at. You go at the 45 degree angle and then you kind of tilt it a little bit towards you as you go was uh, yeah. was one of the ways I was taught. And then... And then the the way that you the reason that you're kind of letting it settle is to let that head that beautiful Guinness head and those tiny little bubbles let those settle for a while. So you want to once you pour, you kind of want to let it sit for a minute or longer than a minute. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, there's visual cues there, but also like time cues, you know. Mm-hmm. So the Guinness uh, folks say it's about two minutes, apparently. Okay. It's like 120 yeah. seconds, I believe seems like the ballpark once you get it settled and then you pour um a little bit more slowly is that correct is that how you were taught you pour a little slowly to top the big um difference from one like i had bartended actually at a gastro pub my first job ever and uh you know it was british uh british chef and you know we had a pour guinness and i i don't really recall being like properly walk through but i do remember like okay you do the first pour and a back pour and I started working at a bar in New York in 2014 called Lucky Jacks. Mm. And uh, Irish owned, um, actually owned by a bartender couple, lovely people. Um, if you're ever in New York, it's on uh, 129 Orchard Street. It's been there for almost 15 years now. Oh, that's great. Um, 
And on the back pour, he was like, uh, Dermot is his name, which is as Irish as it comes. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like, you got to also keep the nozzle as close to the beer level as possible. So he's like, no, you know, you're not just sitting it under the tap and pouring it. Mm-hmm. That's the way that extra air bubbles can get in there and disturb that head. But, you know, also to take it even further, he was like, and don't do none of that clover shit, you know? Right. I don't want any artwork in the top. It's not a latte. He's like, you need to keep a single perforation point of where the beer goes in the glass so that first sit, you know, where your lips are going to touch has the best structure and head on it. That's great. You know, I looked into this a little bit, the um, the Shamrock, because so, I remember there were a few guys I worked with, and it was just a blessing. We had six beers on tap. That's it. And one of them was always nice. Guinness. So it was a blessing to have it on tap and everything and go through the ritual. There were a couple guys who did the shamrock, but when I was um, doing a little research for this little episode here, I looked into Guinness's, you know, I tried to find some kind of info on what does Guinness think about this shamrock. They basically don't even want to comment on it. They don't even want to pretend that it exists. So we, we appreciate if people can do that, but it's not really the accepted way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the purest thing of it, you know, you can find a million examples, but it's like, uh, you know, people in New York don't call it the Big Apple, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So what do you, you guys have some, some really good food over there at Lakeside. Um, what what do you think, uh, what would be good to pair with a Guinness that you, that you guys are rolling with? You got great patty melts, stuff like that. I mean, I would probably just say the patty melt, to be honest. Yeah, it's tough to beat. You know, it's a, it's a hearty food and kind of pairs nice with Guinness. Great for like a cold, chilly day or, or whatever, you know. Yeah, maybe uh, early spring, it's raining out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. How's it going over there at Lakeside with, um, as you guys kind of, we start edging out of the pandemic a little bit, you guys are getting a few more people in there and having yeah. some more business at Attaboy. How's everything going? Uh, it's gone the way the, the hours have gone with the city restrictions. You know, we, we've fortunate enough that we weren't hit too hard by the capacity stuff because we can kind of have, have a larger crowd at Lakeside to begin with. It wasn't really until like February that we started hitting that capacity number and having to turn people away or like just tell them to hang tight for a little bit until somebody closed out. Mm. Um, but Attaboy, I mean, we've kind of just done our thing from the start. and We've just spaced the bar out for safety's sake. And that's aligned with the capacity restrictions we've been given, which was 50% for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we, we weren't hurt too bad by that. We really just were kind of hit the hardest by the, you know, the, the last calls that were being kind of enforced. And, uh, you know, if you've been to either spot, you know, we're, we're a late night bar, you know, we're not, uh, we're not like a daytime restaurant or anything like that or a cafe. So if you got to do last call at 10 PM, it really kind of, you know, hits you right in that prime time. Mm -hmm. And what I kind of noticed, you know, and throughout and people haven't really changed their, um, going out habits per se, you know, if they're going to go out, they're still going to eat their dinner at seven thirty, eight, eight thirty, And, you know, early, early winter, late fall, when we were sitting on that 10 o'clock last call, I mean, that really, you could feel it. Like people were rolling in at nine thirty, and then just trying to pound as many drinks as they could just to get it in. Cause they was like, all right, I got to go home in an hour. Yeah. Um, so as, as things have relaxed on the time front and I think we're, you know, we're at a midnight last call now, and everyone's got to be out at one. Um, it just helps capture that kind of prime time, that peak when everybody's out and hitting the bars and stuff like that. So we're, we're hopeful and definitely feels like the pendulum's swinging back in the right direction. And, uh, yeah, we're hopeful that, you know, by late spring, things are maybe back at 2 a.m. Or, or even 3 a.m. So That's great. Well, we wish you nothing but uh, 
luck and uh, we we appreciate what you guys are doing over there and at Lakeside, the beautiful Guinness. Now I got to put you on the spot a little bit here because we're getting into spring, and you have been with Attaboy in New York and then brought it here to Nashville. So. I just want to talk about that style because we're going to have you on the show later in the spring. You've got a lot of things coming up that I want to talk to you about, but you've come up in the style of like playing jazz with cocktails and, and the way that you make cocktails and you're going off of people's kind of whims and people put their trust in you. Do you just really enjoy that style? Like you've been, I feel like now you're like a veteran jazz musician. Yeah, without the heroin, right? Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, what kind of drew me to that style when I first, you know, kind of started working for that, you know, kind of the people in and around Milk and Honey and what, you know, later turned to Attaboy was that freedom per se. You know, we've all worked in spots where there's a cocktail list and a menu and it's structured and, uh, you know, I love structure, but, you know, day in, day out, you know, that kind of like make the same 10 drinks over and over and over can really get tired. Mm. And what I loved about, you know, when I first started working in those kind of style of bars was, you know, we have our compendium, you know, people, people think sometimes that we're, we're just pulling it out of, out of, out of nowhere, out of thin air. We're like, Oh, you said this. All right, cool. Here's the thing. I made the name up on the spot, made the build up on the spot, yeah, et cetera. Um, and it was structure with freedom. So I, I guess you could, you know, draw comparisons to that style of music, you know, like jazz where you obviously have your, your foundation, mm-hmm. um, Mm-hmm. And you have to understand that and know it implicitly front to back before you can venture out into riffing and being a little more spontaneous. And, and so for us, like, you know, once we kind of got in the trenches, it felt like, uh, yeah, just like no shift is different or, or no shift is the same rather. Like every shift you're going to make different drinks, you're going to have different interactions. And that's always my favorite part of working in bars and hospitality is like, it's not a desk job. It's not monotonous. Yeah, for um, sure. You're going to meet all sorts of characters. You're going to have stories at the end of the night. And, you know, with a bar like Attaboy and how we're set up, like it, it just makes it exciting to walk into a shift and be like, I have no idea what I'm going to make tonight. And so it's a little, little scary, but also exciting. I bet. It's like going on stage every night. That's great. Yeah. So yeah. if I'm coming in there tomorrow and I'm like, Hey, uh, the trees are blooming in my neighborhood. I'm feeling spring. I want something light. What do you think you'd make me? I mean, I would definitely check that you're going for something citrusy first, which, mm-hmm. I mean, I naturally would gravitate towards that. You know, sure. when people say spring and seasonal and light and refreshing, you're going to gravitate towards that shaken style of cocktail. Probably something that's long and fizzy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we'd, we'd probably get in the mud a little bit on figuring out your, your do's and don'ts, things you like and dislike, which is always you know, really crucial part of the interaction. Uh, yeah, like what if I said maybe gin, but it doesn't have to be a real traditional gin. You know, just off the top of my head, like one that checks a lot of those boxes that, you know, if you if you made a Venn diagram of people's palates, you know, we always like to start out with a drink that's going to cover the most ground there. Just to, you know, earn that trust, get them something they're going to enjoy, feel great about, mm-hmm. and then you can kind of push, push that line a little bit further and further, you know, if they're sticking around for multiple rounds. But one we do that, that, that we love and it's delicious, it's refreshing, uh, is the Chinatown Ricky. Mm. Um, and it is a classic, you know, kind of again, back to those foundations. Like we, we really only have like 10 to 12 style drinks, you know. It's, mm. You learn those kind of family trees and then branch out from there like Mr. Potato Head. You know, you're just swapping ingredients. But it's, uh, you know, it's a 
uh, a Ricky build. And for those who aren't familiar with the Ricky family, it's essentially like a gimlet or a daiquiri stretched out with club soda. So uh, for us, that'd be, you know, a base of gin, uh, one ounce of lime, three quarters of a uh, one-on-one simple syrup. And how we kind of alter that to make it the Chinatown Ricky is we splice in a half ounce of Fino Sherry. Mm. Um, so that's that Spanish fortified wine. It's got some savory notes, uh, nice and crisp. And we'll throw a pinch of mint in there as well. And then uh, shake that up, top of club soda, garnish with a, uh, a lime wedge and a sprig of mint. Ooh, sounds delightful. Yeah. Let's do another one. So I'm coming in and I'm like, I'm feeling the burst of a new era, a new spring upon me. Um, I, <laughs> I'm i feeling something bold with citrus, maybe, maybe mezcal, tequila, something like that. Okay. Anything on the flavor board you're not into? Any allergies? Uh, no, I just uh, maybe watch the spice because I don't want to have to get out my heartburn medication. Okay. Yeah, yeah we'll, uh, we'll stay away from the <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we can definitely kind of lean. I mean, it's something heading that bitter direction that's got a little more of a robust flavor. You know, one we've kind of, it's been a, it's been a mainstay for a while now. We, we also use it, you know, it's a gin base, but we swap in mezcal, tequila, et cetera, et cetera, all the time. But it's called a, uh, a Right Now. Mm-hmm. And it is uh, in the sour family, so we've got, you know, a little bit of lemon and sugar. The base is mezcal, but we split in some chinar, mm. artichoke amaro, mm-hmm. toss some cucumber behind that, and then we actually drop the sugar down because of the richness of chinar, mm-hmm. and add a pinch of salt. So it's like a three-quarter lemon, half simple, uh, one ounce of each, uh, you know, in this case it'd be mezcal and uh, chinar, and shaking in just a grind of salt and uh, cucumbers and serve it up. That's great. Salt with chinar, just amazing. Savory, yeah, that's awesome. Oh, that's great. Well, we could do this all day, but uh, we need to get you on later in the spring. We have so much to talk to you about, so I look forward to that. You've got a project coming up in Charleston, and you're looking at – we're going to talk to you more about that later, but um, you're looking at opening at some point this summer out there in Charleston? Yeah, we're hopeful for like like a late spring, early summer. It all goes well. Awesome. Well, we want to talk to you more about that special project going on and introduce you to all our homies in Charleston. I know you've been through a lot the last year or so, man, so so just good on you for keeping on trucking and uh, keeping the, the ships afloat over there. And uh, yeah. happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day, yeah. <laughs> I'll uh, raise a Guinness in your honor. Absolutely. And one thing I forgot to add, like mm. the, the crucial... Little little two boxes to check off on the Guinness that I forgot that my uh, my Irish boss uh, schooled me on mm. was the shorter the draft line, the less air bubbles in there, which are going to affect the head. Mm-hmm. So when we put together Lakeside, we decided like, all right, let's have a dedicated kegerator where the line goes straight up. Oh, great! To shorten that as much as possible and the PSI. This one's definitely uh, got mixed opinions, but if it's sitting somewhere between like thirty and thirty-five, you're good to go. 30 to 35 PSI and as short a line as you the can do it. The line, the better. That's yep. maybe the key then because I feel like there there is something special about the Guinness over there. So that's probably that shorter line. That could be the, the secret. Yeah. I mean, it, it we cracked the code. Really as simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, that's why we brought you here to crack the code. I think we're I think we're close. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and there's a great Forbes um, article out there for anyone that wants to uh, learn more about this, where they get into some of the science on it. But uh, yeah, we raise a Guinness on St. Patrick's Day, 
And you can go back to the archives. Uh, we did, I think it was two years ago today, um, we did Irish Car Bomb. And we cover that with recipes and everything. So go back to that episode. Um, we've got a lot more coming up on Monks of March here on Liquid Gold. We own this town podcast network. For my co-host, Mr. Kenneth Dedman. And Brandon, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. We'll talk to you later in the spring. He is Brandon Bramhall of Attaboy and Lakeside Lounge. Two phenomenal places uh, right over there in East Nashville. They are Lakeside. You can find right off Woodland there, right near McFerrin, where you turn left from Woodland on McFerrin, and you get right there uh, in between Woodland and Main Street. You will find 8 McFerrin, which is Attaboy. And you just knock on the door, and they'll take care of you. Literally a minute walk away from each other. All right, that was just great talking to Brandon Bramhall of Lakeside Lounge and Attaboy, all about their uh, Guinness there at... Lakeside Lounge, their famous Guinness pour. Do check it out. It is something special. Lots more Monks of March content coming up for the rest of the month. We've got chartreuse to cover, as well as some of the famous and incredible beers made by monks that we're going to get into uh, later in the month. Thanks for checking out our little St. Patty's Day shots here. My name's Mike Wolf, and we'll see you next time right here on Liquid Gold.